The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. What's good, y'all? Welcome to In the Deep, a deep league-focused fantasy baseball podcast, part of the Pitcher List Podcast Network. My name is Jordan White, and I am joined here once again by my good friend and co-host, Christopher Schwebzy Weber. Schwebzy, how are you doing? How the heck was Boston? Hi, friends. Boston was incredible. Like I am, I there is no hyperbole here. I, it was, I. I so it's honestly like right up there with the time I spent with you in Milwaukee and my other buddies up there. It was the same kind of vibe. Like it, we like it's we we have such a good group here in Pitcher List that any time spent with yeah. the community and other staff members is really just some of the best times I've had in the past few years. Uh, <laughs> that 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 sounds like a backhanded insult because well, I was going to say, well, was gonna say <laughs> between like this year and last year, you have one year that is full of quarantine yeah there there have been very few full of covid but like at least it was open for a little bit there have been very few times to judge against in the past few years but no it 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 was a blast Uh, i got to i got to road trip up there with uh nick pollock uh who you guys may have heard of and uh dave chairman who is another writer here at pitcher list yes spent spent some time up there with uh Natan Cristal, who's a, a uh, oh god, I, I think there's a second part to his last name that I'm totally Demond. forgetting. Cristal Demon, yeah, uh, yes. Uh, god, who who else was there? I'm forgetting. Alex was there, who hosted you? Yeah, uh, Ben Alex, Brown, who was one of our community members. Ben Brown, how can I forget yeah. Ben Brown? Hey, yeah, how do you, just, hey, Shrubsy, how do you forget Ben Brown? Unbelievable! Like it, we, it, it was the cannoli crew, and I'm, I'm forgetting members of the cannoli crew. The cannoli crew! Wow, y'all came up with a, a name for your group. We never did that when you visited Milwaukee. Oh, we, we didn't get cannoli. I mean, it's fair. We did other things though. We got beer. The cops I crew. I, yeah, the cops crew. That makes sense. That's that's good. I like that one. That's a pretty good one. Okay, it's a little but bit no, late. Uh, but. So, all right, unofficial. Unofficial. Well, no. This is of actually. This is official. The official Schwebzy, uh stadium rankings of the seven stadiums I've been to this year. Ooh. Okay. I think I think Fenway is like number one. People p- people are going to be mad at me. I I think it's like sixth. Oh, it's like sixth. Yeah. No, Fenway wow. as Fenway as a as a historic building yeah. is beautiful. It's fantastic, and the Green Monster is so unique and great i think i might i might feel differently if i watch the game from like on top of the green monster yes. but uh sitting in a very very tiny seat as a very large person uh i did not have a good time yeah that's not enjoyable i don't know what that's like because i'm just a very small little petite boy <laughs> and but... the food the food was like so underwhelming not that good no nah. I was gonna the say I know only, there's so, a lot of stuff because you said there you showed me the site. There's a site that you sent me to that had a bunch of stuff that used to be yeah, like pre-COVID used right. to be made in the stadium, and apparently things have kind of dwindled off over the past like year and a half or so. Right, it's it's possible about. that I've just gone at a bad time for food, but I am a very food-driven person, so I can confirm I've met him. But, the <laughs> the uh, the only the only stadium in my travels so far that rank below it uh, is uh, U.S. Cellular. 
Sorry, sorry, White Sox fans. It's no, it's not U- U.S. Cellular anymore. It's Guaranteed Rate. Oh, Guaranteed Rate. Yeah. Mm. Unfortunately, okay. the name doesn't make it any better. That's no, true. Uh, go figure so, that. Oh, sorry. I'm go trying ahead. to think. I'm trying to think. For the bottom, it, it would be Guaranteed Rate for me. Then, then uh, the 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 Red Sox Fenway. Mm, I think I think above that would be Comerica. Okay. Amfam. City PNC. PNC had the best food, you think? Oh no, just overall. overall. Oh, overall experience. I thought you were still just talking about just food. No, no, no. Overall. That's the that's the official you let in, you let in with like food driven. And I was like, this is very clear. I, I am strictly it, it all it all factors in, but I do heavily weight food as food heavily weights me. Um that is true. Yeah. Uh yeah, that's the, the official Schwebsey ranking of the seven stadiums that Schwebsey has been to this year. Check in next time when Schwabzi has visited. Maybe another state. Are you going to any other stadiums this year? Yeah, this year I'm. I'm still planning on a Citizen Citizens Bank, um, Yankee Stadium. Okay, and I might try to hit up Baltimore. Ooh, Camden, know, would, be, Camden would be pretty yeah, sweet. Camden would be sweet. Maybe, maybe I, even I, a I've actually been Nationals. told that's for a lot of people. Like it between that and PNC are like two of the most beautiful parks they've ever been to. PNC is really like everyone says how great it is, and it is in fact that great. It's a yeah. really nice ballpark. I think next year, depending on like how things shake out, obviously like things are up in the air. But like, I would love to catch a, ga- a Brewers game at PNC next yeah. year sometime. No. So the game that I went to, I, it was uh, Pittsburgh versus Chicago, the White Sox, and I, I happened to notice on Twitter, like before my trip, that like a, a bunch of mutuals on chicago white Sox twitter we're all going to the game it's and i guess they it's kind of like a thing they do every year because it's such a beautiful ballpark it's not that far away from them so you know they kind of they kind of every year they kind of invade uh, pnc it's fun they also do that uh in milwaukee obviously because that's like even mm. closer that's like a, I mean, yeah yeah if you're hauling you can make it in like an hour but like yeah uh yeah, that's really dope. I mean, I had like a mini like pseudo pitcherless meetup because I had Mikey Ahedo here for a night or two in Milwaukee, which was fantastic. I met him and then also got to meet Janice Scurrio from NBC Sports Edge in person as well, which was fantastic. I talked about that last week, too. So that was my little taster uh, since I didn't actually get to come out to Boston or come to the New York meetup for, with all the pitcherless folks. So that was my consolation prize. Uh, but yeah. All right. I guess like probably at this point considering we're almost eight minutes into this podcast we should probably start talking about actual baseball oh we have to do that yeah unfortunately it's part of our part of our quote-unquote job description so (laughs) one of these days we're gonna have to get that clarified i'm unaware i'm 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 completely unaware of this uh, actual you know quote unquote job description bold of you to assume that i even read my contract um (laughs) (laughs) but all right let's start off with some hitters uh first off here schwebzy you have dalton varsho currently 18 percent rostered across espn and yahoo leagues uh what do we have to say about varsho again like this is probably one of the biggest preseason like boom slash bust picks for a lot of people I oh boy, I faded Dalton Varsho in the in the preseason so I was, hard. I liked him personally. I, I was, was like, so oh, a catcher with stolen base upside. Ooh, fun. If I had all right, so I the the only reason I am talking about him is because uh, at eighteen percent and doing what he's doing lately, he is very likely to graduate from this list shortly. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I had any shame at all. I would apologize for calling Dalton Varsho, quote, maybe the worst player in the majors earlier this year, but I don't have shame, so I won't apologize. Uh, Instead, I'm going to pretend that this is just a neat, cool baseball player who I've only just heard of for the first time. This uh, Valton Darsho guy is is pretty good. Uh, He's got the really rare catcher slash outfield eligibility. We love multi-position eligibility, and that is a unique combo. Anytime you can get uh, a, a a player playing the outfield who's all you know who you can slot in in the catcher spot that is awesome because it's less wear and tear on the body you get more plate appearances it's just it's there's no downside uh over the last 30 days varsho is hitting 323 with a 422 obp along with five dingers three stolen bases and 25 runs plus rbis and that's over the course of only 62 plate appearances in those 30 days 
that like frankly that's just that's absolutely elite production out of a catcher eligible player it's a shame that no one talked about him in the preseason uh, otherwise i might have not thought he was the worst player in the world um boo <laughs> boo. No. boo this man in my defense like he was abysmal he was so bad in his previous the year, no, he, yeah, the majors. I, yeah i mean he was not impressive in any capacity yeah last year he was not great at the end of the year i, I mean like i was optimistic about him and like there's definitely like the profile there to have some success like he is having now i also like at this point i don't think that this is who he is either so no 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 he i do not think he is now the best catcher in baseball because that's who he has been in the last 30 days basically um i this is like the 99th percentile outcome what he's done over the last 30 days yeah exactly because what was it what was his uh prospect profile it was good play discipline enough yep. speed to matter out of the catcher spot and a little bit of pop and that's yeah th- this this is the best thing we could have hoped for if he were to continue to do this i wouldn't bet on it to continue but i i i have I have changed my my tune where uh, I previously thought he was not worth playing, period, to uh, now being rosterable. <sighs> Definitely in any two-catcher league. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, like just taking the chance on someone like this because they have the stolen base upside. And then, like you right. said, obviously, they can slot into an outfield spot if you want to like move them around. There's always that nice little right. added bonus like, too so in a tw- in a 12-team league i doubt you'd ever want him in your outfield spot but i can absolutely see him being like a like i could see him being like a, a tail end of the top 12 for catchers i can see that yeah he could probably slip in and out depending on like how well he is playing at any given time i would say like if you have enough like a deep enough bench where you can hold someone like this and like slot them in when they are on a heater kind of like he is right now then sure but he's someone that i think is just going to like fall on and off of rosters the entire year on a 12 teamer uh again if it's a two catcher league that's a different story you're always probably just going to slot him into that second catcher spot in a league that deep but yeah uh so i am on the record as also hating uh isaiah kiner falefa uh maybe i just have something against fast catchers i don't know but uh i i think if if I, I think Varsho is probably a better player than Isaiah Kiner Falefa for fantasy. Ooh, okay, that would be hmm. So uh, that would for, be an interesting board bet for next year. Yeah, yeah, it would be. I, I would absolutely take that. I mean, because I, I, I the, no, I think well, I think Falefa is, is actually well, he's not going to have IKF's not going to have catcher eligibility next year though, is he? Hmm. I, I I'm not sure. I'd have to check. I, mean, but, I don't think Varsho no, will either. But like, yeah. So I think Falefa is a legitimately bad baseball player, uh, better, much better real life than fantasy. Um, but for fantasy, I, I think he was completely buoyed by that, uh, you know, catcher spot steals combo. And then very weirdly in the first like month of this season, he was hitting dingers for the first time ever. And then he stopped because he's Isaiah Kiner Falefa. Yeah. So uh, I, I think Vol- I think Dalton Varsho is a better has a better skill set than Falefa for fantasy production long term. So is it safe to say that you would rather have Varsho than IKF for the rest of the season? Yes. Dude, Falefa has been miserable for like two months now. That's fair. All right. Like not worth rostering anywhere. All right. Sick. Uh, cool. Yeah. I mean, again, like we've talked about this before, I was fairly high in Varsho previously. Like, a lot of people were. I think there that was like one of pe- like a lot of people's favorite dart throws before the season started, uh, and it has not panned out for the most part. But yeah, this last month has been really, really encouraging. So definitely a good call out. And obviously, like that roster ship number is rising steadily over the past few weeks. Uh, he's not going to be in that twenty percent or less uh, group that we usually aim for for much longer. So definitely jump on Far Show if you want a share of him now. Uh, but yeah, let's move on to another uh, preseason favorite and just general favorite of the show. One, Bobby K. Dinger's Bobby Delbeck. An, er- an early theme here is just us being wrong. I mean, if any, I mean, we we're, we're very very. No- I mean, we're very prone to taking victory laps. To be fair, right. we need to we need to temper ourselves a little bit. I think. I think this is an episode that'll be good. Like, hey, remember this guy that we were pretty wrong about? He's actually doing okay now. 
but we were definitely wrong about him. Uh, yeah, so no, I, this yeah, is this is us taking our little tyke's car and just hitting a curb and and just flying out of the front, which doesn't have a windshield because it's a little tyke's car. Just yes, splayed out on the grass, spread exactly. eagle, sad. <laughs> spread eagle on sad. That's the title of the episode. Thank you very much, Rebzy. <laughs> Appreciate that one. I'm going to mark this welcome. down real quick. Spread eagle and sad. Okay, perfect. Uh, but yeah, our large adult son, when Schwebzy got to watch him on Saturday, because Schwebzy, oh yeah, you didn't even talk about who you got to see start either that game. You got to see Chris Sale start, yeah, which is pretty yeah, great co- in his first game back. Completely accidental, but very yeah, dope. Super good timing. But I mean, Bobby Dalbeck hit two home runs for you that day. Yes, it was awesome. I actually had just slotted him into a lineup because Reese Hoskins got hurt too. So it was mm. like doubly sweet. Ooh, su- double dip in there. Love that. Mm. Super good. Uh, but yeah. Shubsy got to see him, which is fantastic. Uh, and then before his 0 for 4 game that he had today, Sunday, the day that we're recording this, uh, Dalbeck had been like on a tear the three games previous, including the game that Shubsy was at. He had seven hits over the three games, including two doubles, a triple, and three homers with 11 RBIs and four or five runs. That's just an immense amount of counting stats for such a short period. Uh, and I, that's like all well and good, but like we also know that Bobby Dalbeck maybe not always the best average bat. But since July fifteenth, basically like the past month, he's been hitting two eighty six, which is pretty pretty good. You're going to take that pretty much in every single league. Uh, unfortunately, aside from like this very small stretch, there wasn't a whole lot of power to be seen there. I mean, he hit again three of his four home runs in that span in the past in that little three day stretch. Uh, so it's a little bit misleading there that said i mean at this point the bat seems like it's getting a little bit hotter which is always nice to see and i think that he's probably worth a look in like al only leagues and then 15 team leagues where you have a corner infield spot and you want some pop and i think it's mostly as a flyer right now because again like just the general track record so far this year has been pretty underwhelming like still like a really really elevated k rate a fine but not amazing walk rate so he's not going to help you a whole bunch in like on base percentage leagues necessarily but again if it's an al only league or a 15 teamer that has a corner infield spot i think that it's totally okay to take a flyer on dalbeck yeah no i'm i'm very on board with that he's shown the propensity to be streaky before yes exactly he has just been demoted into a strong side platoon role which worst case scenario gives him a better opportunity to succeed in fewer at bats because he's Mm -hmm. you know he's operating within what is uh, ostensibly his wheelhouse and uh you know the 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 best case scenario is that it lights a spark under him and he starts hitting some dongs exactly and i actually have uh, to look to i want to see because I know that he's been playing both corner infield positions recently. I want to know if he's actually going to have enough games at third base to get third base eligibility for next year. And it looks like he might be close by the end of the year. I'm trying to count real quick. One, two, three. Okay. So he's only got like five or six games so far this year where he's played third base. Um, But with that said, there is still a chance that at least in some leagues he'll have like eligibility at both corner and field positions, which does bump up his value just at least slightly. So that's good too. Uh, something mm-hmm. to keep an eye on there as well. But yeah, again, same thing that I said before, 15 team leagues with a corner and field spot or AL only leagues with a corner and infi- corner and field spot. Definitely feel okay. Taking a flyer on Dahlbeck. If you need some power here near the end of the year and try to ride a hot streak. Yeah, I'm with it. All right. Excellent. Let's uh, move on to Yandy Diaz. Uh, Shubzi, you wrote this one up. Take it away. Yes. While I'm while I'm talking about Yandi Diaz, I, I just um, I, I request that you check the Twitch chat while I while I do this. All right. Yes. So uh, Yandi Diaz, uh, this one's a little bit inspired by a recent article written by Chad Young of Pitcherlist, titled "Yandi Diaz is doing the thing." And uh, what is the thing, you ask? Basically, everyone in the fantasy baseball world should have a Google alert set for Yandi Diaz fly balls because the whole thing about Yandi Diaz, like his his entire like baseball player being is he hits the heck out of the ball and he hits it on the ground. One of those is good. One of those is bad. But 
hitting the like hitting the ball really hard with uh, a high frequency kind of makes it hard to f- truly fail. Like yes. so, even even though he's hitting the ball on the ground a lot, which is not ideal, he's still been a relatively productive player, just not a great fantasy asset. More of like an AL only kind of player. So. Uh, and on top of that, great on uh, OBP league asset because the walk rate over the past two seasons has just been really elite. So when Tampa Bay acquired Yandi back in 2019, everyone, you know, I, I mean, it's a, it's a bit of a meme that Tampa Bay is just going to fix everybody. Yeah. But everyone said, oh, well, yeah, they, they found a guy with a glaring hole. They're going to fix the hole and he's going to be awesome. Uh, and the signs were there that this is something that was going to be worked on by Tampa Bay. Uh, and it looked like there were signs because in 2019, uh, and here I'm utilizing Fangraph's 15 game rolling averages, which is a fantastic resource. If you don't really, if you've never seen it, uh, it, you have to go to a player page and then the graphs tab and you, it's really customizable. Lots of stat options. It's very good. Uh, I, I, we like to use baseball savants rolling averages a lot, but those are kind of, uh, limited in that, uh, you can't, you can't customize them that much. There's only so many stat options. Uh, so yeah, fan graphs, uh, allows you to check like, you know, batted ball data in a rolling mm-hmm. chart fashion. And here we're looking at his fly ball percentage. So 2019, there were several peaks in uh fly ball percentage that, uh, you know, it, higher than anything that he had reached as a guardian, a, a Cleveland future guardian, followed by a 2020 season that uh, Yandy Diaz and most of us would like to completely forget. Absolutely. This year, though, earlier in the season, he had another one of those uh, similar to 2019 peaks and then a valley. But now where we are currently at is the highest his fly ball rate has ever been. Yeah. Over the pa- over the past fifteen days, he is hitting fifty percent fly balls. Super encouraging. That that is that would floor me. Uh, you yeah, know, it's like Yandy Diaz hitting fifty percent fly balls is like the greatest development in uh you know play player development history. Um, I w- I just wasn't sure he had that in him. You know, I thought if he ever no. played, but all right, so he's not hitting like. A bunch of moonshots. Oh, since since June sixth, he's got nine home runs, which is a you know it's a decent rate. That's over the course of a season. That's like twenty five home runs or so. Yeah, but, exactly. But, but add twenty five home runs to Yandy Diaz, and you've got a really really great baseball player. Yes, you do. The question is, can he maintain everything else while also you know elevating the ball suddenly? He hasn't really yet. Uh, that same stretch where he's hit those nine home runs, he's only hitting like 250 or so. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's not, you know, with how frequently he hits the ball hard, you would expect better. So I don't think we've seen his peak yet. Like the tools have always been there for a truly elite hitter. And this was a step in that direction. More steps need to be taken, but they're being made, which is very important. I think I, I think he's going to be a decent source for power for the rest of the year. Always a good source for OBP. But really, like what it comes down to for me is if I see Yandy Diaz hitting fly balls, I'm picking up Yandy Diaz. You know, if I have if I need a corner infielder, because the potential is there to be just an absolute monster of a hitter. And everyone always said, like, yeah, all he needs to do is hit fly balls. Yeah. Not really all he has to do because he has to hit the fly balls while maintaining the other good stuff. Yeah, but it's an oversimplification it, to say right, that it for is. sure. You know, and uh, you know what everyone always says about you know player development not being linear. So he's taken maybe the most important step. So that's a really really encouraging development. And uh, yeah, really, I I can't do chad young's article justice in this limited time so really you should go read that article on pitcher list again it's called yandy diaz is doing the thing it was written about a week ago on <laughs> pitcher list yeah i know i, I love the it's a really uh, good title it's a good title I, I, <laughs> like i i wish i had i had come up with it myself 
uh it, it sounds like something i would write is why i like it yes so uh yeah and uh i i like that uh i can point to chad's article because if yon dds stops doing well then uh, you can direct your ire at him instead of me <laughs> just just kidding send me your hate mail please uh, and also again don't send me any hate mail because right, i'm incredibly no, fragile right. send literally any if it's if it's directed at me please also direct it just directly to schwabzi right so yeah jordan jordan that. is fragile whereas i your hate fuels me i'm incredibly soft uh anyways <laughs> moving <laughs> moving on thank you schwabzi for that i mean yeah if he keeps like uh chad's article says doing the thing uh everything else is going to trend in the right direction i think i think it's going to kind of solve maybe not solve things completely for Diaz, but he's definitely, like you said, worth a flyer and you want to get on that train early rather than late. So, uh, yeah, moving on, let's go to someone like a pretty, pretty much like polar opposite profile to Yandy Diaz, someone that doesn't really hit the ball that hard all that often. Uh, and that's Jorge Mateo. So the Orioles claim Mateo off waivers from the Padres back on August 5th. And since then he's been seeing pretty steady playing time at second base for them. Uh, I think it was over like 10 or so games. He's got uh, most of his starts there, along with a single start, both at shortstop and at third base. Uh, and during that time, he's hit 258, which is not amazing by any means, but reasonably good. And he has reached base safely in seven of the eight games that he's played with four doubles, uh, no home runs. But most importantly, he's gone three for four on stolen base attempts in that time. And this is the biggest reason why I'm telling people that they should go and pick up Jorge Mateo right now. Uh, is if you really need stolen base help. So again, he's not going to hit the cover off the ball by any means, but if he can manage to keep his average at like a serviceable level, kind of like he is right now, like right around like 260 to 270 ish, maybe he should, like, I think there's a reasonable expectation that he could probably steal 10 plus bags before the end of the year, like rest of season. Oh, I can totally see that. Because he's at 80 grade speed, like 80 grade speed. He's one of the fastest people, like certified burner, one of the fastest people in the league. And he's only 2% rostered. That's the crazy part. It's like, I mean, we have basically just barely over a quarter of the season left at this point. Right. And while it, a lot of in a lot of cases if you're in like a roto league where it's like you're counting year long stats and everything like that it feels like you might be too far behind to catch up you might be able to get someone like this who can bump you up a spot or two and that might be enough to push you into like from like fourth place to third place or third place to second place and maybe put you into the money in your leagues and stuff like that so i mean i would definitely prioritize if you need those stolen bases Picking up Jorge Mateo again, I don't think he's going to hurt you that badly in average by any means. And that stolen base value at this point of the season is super hard to find. So definitely, I think Jorge Mateo is someone that you should be chasing right now. So I, I love that for that specific need. And he's got the opportunity, which is awesome. And it's worth pointing out that Camden Yards is generally awesome for hitting dingers. So there, yes. there is the chance that he can ship in there. Uh, in a similar vein, and uh, really a pretty similar skill set, Tyler Wade. Ooh, yeah, for sure. In just 39 plate appearances over the past 30 days. And that total in that time frame is a little bit misleading, and I'll tell you why in a second. But in that only 39 plate appearances, it's a 333 average, 422 OBP. You know I like me a high OBP. Oh, yes, you eight, do. Eight stolen bases. Oh, yeah. We like That's that. So many steals. Do you know offhand and how uh, what its roster percentage is? It is eight percent. Ooh, very nice. And I like that one too. Yeah, given given the Yankees bump, that feels so low. Uh, actually, yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's because Yankees fan Yankee fans don't actually like Tyler Wade. That could be it too. That's fair. I, I have many a Yankee fan on my Twitter, and they do not they do not <laughs> seem to like him. But but he has played every day for the past four or five days now uh and yeah it like in a stretch of five games where he started each game he had six stolen bases that'll that'll do that'll do that'll That'll play. play so obviously that rate will not hold up and that playing time will probably not hold up but uh, you know, we always like to say that stealing bases is about intent. The man's getting on base, and he is running wild once he is there. So, you know, uh, could could be another uh, dart throw stolen base threat. 
love to see it. All right, uh, let's move on then at this point to a Chicago Cub that, I mean, I did not know who he was until probably about two or three days ago, uh, and that's Frank Schwindel. Yeah, like this is one that like he he got called up by the Cubs and it was like ringing the faintest bell in my head because like he, he got like 15 plate appearances for the Royals last year and that was it. And it was, so, it was ringing it was ringing your Schwindel bell. Yeah, yeah. You can ring my Schwindel. Uh, so all he's done in the 42 plate appearances since being called up has just this very minor production of hitting 381 with uh three dingers in uh in 42 plate appearances pretty low-key pretty it's, pretty basic yeah. stuff yeah pretty, pretty it's it's good for good for an 1137 ops is that good that's good and that also does not include today because he hit another dinger today and he hit that dinger off Eliezer Hernandez, who I love. So, I mean, that's, that's bonus points for me because he yes. hit a dinger off a pitcher that I really like. So Schwindel is basically, so he's, he's 29, I believe. Uh, God, I should, I should have actually uh, known that. Yeah, he's 29. He's a career minor leaguer. Uh, you know, some might say a quad A player, but uh, others might argue that that requires actually getting above AAA sometimes. So he's ex- he's exhibited power, especially this year, because this year uh, that home run today brings him up to 22 home runs in only uh, adding quickly in my head about 310 plate appearances. That is okay. a great rate. You know, that's a 40 home yeah. run pace over a full season. Now, granted, most of those are in AAA, but it's, you know, it, he's got five home runs and very limited playing time already this year. And uh, if you're not aware of what team Frank Schwindel plays for, and I would not begrudge you that because it's Frank <laughs> Schwindel, uh, he's on the Chicago Cubs who are basically, you know, they're just a placeholder team until next year, I, I yeah. believe. They're starting guys like Rafael Ortega, who has been awesome, but also True. who had who had heard of Rafael Ortega before this year. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, Schwindel should get every opportunity to play because they just have no one else, unless Nico Horner comes back. Do we do we have a timetable on that? It was an oblique, right? Yeah, I I don't know when Nico is supposed to be back exactly. I, I don't I... think it's anytime soon because I have him on my NL only team. So I'm usually pretty up on uh, Nico's status. Uh, uh, he resumed baseball activities, but uh, like no, ago. no, uh, no immediate. Uh, oh, he's not swinging. So yeah, if he's not yeah, swinging not yet. yet, it's probably not anytime soon. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's every chance that uh, over the next six weeks, like Patrick Wisdom and Frank Schwindel just combine for like 20 home runs and, we all forget about it uh, next year because it's Frank Schwindel and Patrick Wisdom. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I I do think he's a uh, potential power find over the next six weeks. Dig it. I mean, yeah. I mean, again, you have to scratch and claw for every little bit of value that you can find at this point in the season. Because I feel like, I mean, there's going to be sure there might be some late season call ups and things like that that might have some uh, repercussions in like September ish but it's just going to be so hard to find value like this and like again we really really like to pound home that playing time is the biggest reason that we talk about half of the people that we talk about on the show and Schwindel is going to get plenty of playing time for the rest of the season probably I don't think that they're going to rush Horner back or anything like that, considering it's yeah, a, no, no it's reason very to easily reaggravated. I mean, we've seen the whole saga of what happened this year with Edelberto Mondesi and how huh. hard it's been for him to get back to like dealing with a similar thing. So, uh, yeah, definitely, especially with a team like that, you want to make sure that they're saved for next year. Yeah, so. and continuing the trend of us being wrong, um, I thought David Bodie was going to be doing what Frank Schwindel is now doing. So, right? Yeah, crazy. Okay. Uh, unforgettable fire, uh, favorite David Bodie. Yes. Cubs, Cubs, Hall of Cubs, uh, Hall of Famer, David Bodie <laughs> to you. He has the clutch gene and that's he, what's he important have, really. Yeah. He does have the clutch gene. I mean, that grand slam, what was that? A grand slam in, was it, was that the 2016 run? That he oh hit that? man. God, has Bodie been around that long already? Maybe. 
Yeah. He might have yeah, been, no. anyways. Bodie the Goatee. Yeah. Bodie the Goatee. Uh, all right, moving on. Let's talk real quickly here about... I'm, I'm going to probably gloss over this one fairly quickly just because, one, I'm being a huge homer and talking about him again for what feels like the 10th time, uh, and that is Rowdy Telez. <laughs> Well, it's okay because uh, uh, you you are talking about enough brewers that I get to cash in my Homer chip, and I get to talk about Brandon Drury now. Oh God! Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, feel free if you want to. That's that that would be great. I would love to hear that. Speaking no, of like I, being I, very yeah, clutch, he's an elite hitter. Everyone knows that it's fine. Whatever. That's true. Yes. Rowdy when, what, only when he pinch hits. Yes. But uh, so yeah, just Rowdy tell us real quick. I, I've already wax poetic on Rowdy a bunch of times, but he's continued to look really, really good since he donned a Brewers uniform. And this past week continued that trend. He was dealing with a little bit of a knee issue, but he had 14 plate appearances, five hits with a home run and three RBIs, including an absolute tank, which was like one of, I think they said like 39 people who have hit a ball out of PNC into the Allegheny. Just an absolute missile. It was really really fun to watch uh but like i said he's dealing with some knee discomfort but the thing is is like the brewers have both eduardo escobar and even like jace peterson took reps at first base this week so i think they're going to be able to like give him spells of rest and make sure that he doesn't re-aggravate the knee too much and make sure that they can manage that pain and that workload so that way he can be healthy for the end of the year uh but again if you have like a league where you're setting daily lineups I feel really okay running Rowdy out there in pretty much every situation right now because he just continues to get on base a whole bunch and hit really, really well for that Brewers squad. So again, Rowdy Tellez, really, really dope. Man, in my in my NL only league, I have like uh I have Alonso and Bell taking up first base and corner. Yes. And then I have like I think I it's Jonathan India in utility. So and then Telez on my bench. And it is killing I I want to play Telez so badly. Like, is, I think, it, I think, is it a daily lineup league? Yeah, I think I think I'm going to bench Josh Bell for him. I'm going to I'm going to do it. I'm going to damn it. I'm going to do it. All right. Okay. Uh, I just I, I would like to see a comparison of Josh Bell and Rowdy Telez since Rowdy joined the Brewers. Oh, you know, actually, Bell has actually been pretty impressive in the second half. Like low key, but he's been Isn't very he good. Traditionally, like a pretty good second half player. So in his big year, it was the first half that he was amazing. Oh yeah. Well, that makes sense if he does well. Yeah, okay. But uh, uh, con- continuing the trend with uh, me being wrong. Oh, yeah. This is this is going to be a super <laughs> quick note. I mean, we were going to maybe talk about Brian De La Cruz a little bit, like very, low, very, very minimally rostered in most leagues. But this is literally just to make fun of Schwebzy because the Marlins outfield has been the bright shining sun to Schwebzy's Icarus. Because since last week, when I think it was just last week, right? Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. When Schweb, well, I, okay, so I only pulled stats from this past week, but uh, two weeks ago, Schwebzy made fun of the Marlins outfield situation after Starling Marte was traded and it was just like completely stripped bare. Oh, and like uh, Adam Duvall got traded too. Yeah. So they, yeah. they stripped that entire outfield pretty I, bare. I, I'm pretty sure I called it the worst outfield I've ever seen. You did. Uh, so keeping that in mind, Let's just, awesome. let's just, let's just say real so quick, good. in the past week, uh, the combination of Lewis Brinson, who's been really, really good lately, uh, Brian De La Cruz, and then Jorge Alfaro, who's like going to have du- probably dual catcher and outfield eligibility, probably like potentially a better Dalton Varsho. He's also been stealing bags lately. That's wild. Um, mm, yep. But the three of them in the past week, since last week's Sunday, have a combined 385 average. <laughs> So uh, what? that's that's this week and the week before they killed the Mets, of course. Brinson, oh, you, yeah, Brinson you and that. De La Cruz both killed the Mets. You deserve that. I do. I, I yeah. <laughs> no, I hate it here. Yeah. So I mean, while it's not going to be a star-studded outfield, they're still professional baseball players, and they're going to be able to do their jobs pretty well at least some of the time. And it just happened to be against Schwebzy's favorite team. So I, I very literally like instantly. <laughs> just instant karma is just. Wow, so sweet. Dur- during our stream, the words came out of my mouth. Like I was like, "Am I, am I our Bob Nightingale? Like, am I the in the deep boob Nightingale?" Yes, hundred percent. Yeah, I think it's true. I might be because I, I this this is an incredible streak of just me saying something and then the complete opposite happening. It's very uh, Bob esque. As Shrebsy put it, he's not. He's a he's a, he he's the opposite of a Nostradamus. He's a Yestradamus, which made me. <laughs> 
I think I, I, my soul left my body for a few I think moments. We, we should we should post that clip from the uh, the, the account. We'll, let's do, we'll do that. Yeah, I'll, I'll put the, well, I'll put the moment that he actually made that joke as a uh, clip in the in the show notes if people want to see that. Just like my sheer disappointment and just pain. You in can my see, face in that yeah, moment. you can see Jordan's eyes just go dead as as the. <laughs> The will my entire to, ex, my my entire expression just changes. My as, head just falls. I'm just like, oh my as god! As the will to spend wow. six hours with me just completely leaves him. It's done. It's done. It's the realization of what <laughs> what he has to deal with for the rest of his life. The rest of my human life in the deep forever. <laughs> oh god! Someone please help me. Anyways, let's move <laughs> on to pictures. Uh, the jokes will only get worse. So I'm. I'm can I be honest? I'm interested to see how you can improve on that. Or improve is it... certainly a word for it. Yeah, improve is certainly a word. Uh, <laughs> all right. Okay, okay. Moving on to pitchers. Let's talk about... Okay, I'm going to be a homer once again, surprisingly to no one. Uh, I'm going to talk about Aaron Ashby. Um, yeah, again, surprise, surprise, being a homer for Brewers players. But this time it's also... Also endorsed and supported by the one and only Nick Pollock. Yes. So I, I mentioned I was on a trip with him. We went yes. to the game. We went to the game in Boston. After the game, we hit up a nearby sports bar. And Nick was literally watching the Brewers game while we were at this bar so he yes. could watch Ashby pitch. So Yeah, 100%. Yeah, Ashby has been like one of my favorite players to watch in the Brewers farm system when he was coming up. Like he had a really, really good spring training. And then in AAA, like his ERA and whip numbers weren't crazy good, but his strikeout numbers were pretty good. He had 98 strikeouts over 62 innings pitched uh, in AAA this year, which is totally respectable, really, really good rates. Um, and then he's been called up a few different times to start. He had a pretty good start against the Cubs in his second start. And then went against the Pirates this past Saturday and he went four innings pitched, which is totally fine. No earned runs, three hits, four strikeouts, and no walks. So no free passes offered up, only three hits allowed, uh, and then the four strikeouts. Just like a decent uh, number of counting stats there too, which is totally fine. I think one of the best things is that both of his secondary offerings, the slider and then his changeup, had a CSW of 40 or more, and he was able to hit up to 97 miles per hour on his sinker which is super duper impressive. I mean, like hitting, like, again, we've talked about, there's the article that Carlos Marcano did saying about talking about the importance of being able to hit 94 plus with your fastball and how much it just improves your arsenal as a whole. And he's able to hit 97 now, which was not something that he was doing a few years ago, even. So it's really exciting to see that. I think that the slider is probably his best pitch period. And it's really good because he was leading mostly with that pitch. He threw it more than any other pitch in his last outing. So that's also really, really exciting. Um, after a start, because it was just a double header start where he was filling in, he was sent back down to triple a Nashville in the interim. Uh, the few things that are still encouraging about this is that when he came up to make his start, Craig council said that there wasn't a leash on Ashby. There wasn't like a very, like a set number of pitches or innings that they were expecting him to pitch. They were just going to kind of let him go and do his thing. And I don't know if he's going to be a starter or a reliever. Uh, near the end of the season here or into the playoffs for the Brewers. But I think regardless of that, he's going to play a key role for them down the stretch. Uh, especially when you think about the willingness and desire to preserve arms like Burns and Woodruff and Peralta so that way they can save them for the playoffs. Um, so I would keep an eye out in the next week or so. I genuinely fully expect them to kind of just do like the roster manipulation of like we're going to bring up a pitcher to make a spot start and then send him back down so we can bring up another reliever sort of thing uh or just like an extra bench bat uh i think that ashby will probably be up again in the next week and depending on the opponent i would be more than happy to stream him literally against any team except for like probably the most elite offenses you you know what thought just occurred to me and it, it's very a very sad thought for me I know. I'm thinking. I'm thinking like. Well, first of all, it's a very exciting time to be a Brewers fan, given all oh, the arms, absolutely. given all the arms in that system, the way the team is managed, etc. Um, I was thinking like, if if the standings hold the way they do right now, the way they are right now, mm -hmm. then you're gonna like. I, I will be joining you on that Brewers fandom, like for the playoffs. Mm. Because because North, because so, the Mets will maybe not be in the playoffs, depending on how things are going. It's not great right now because usually what I do is not as, great, Bob. I, 
As, it's as funny, you, I can call you Bob because you kind of are the Bob of this podcast. <laughs> oh, no. What have <laughs> I done? Uh, but usually what I do when the Mets are eliminated is I default to whatever team is most threatening to the Yankees because mm-hmm. I am a hater. Mm-hmm. But I really like what I like, uh, you know, as as my as, as your baseball husband, um, yes. I feel as if I should support you uh, once the, Yank- the the Mets go down mathematically. That's a good spouse right there. Right, that's a good spouse. I appreciate that. Never, never say I didn't do anything for you. Well, no, actually, you did a lot for me. You literally drove all the way out to Wisconsin to hang out with me. I shouldn't say that you've never done anything for me. You absolutely have done stuff for me. <laughs> oh man, uh, one, five, once, fine, just, just once, just, just, just the once. I, I, I get one a year. That's it. Yeah, that's yeah. my pass. Uh, all right, sweet. I don't think I have anything else on Ashby. Uh, trying to check my notes here. No, nothing. I mean, just I'm just super excited about him and just like everything else going on with the Brewers right now, as you can probably very clearly tell. Um, also, I, I think I think that's the first time ever that Nick was aware of someone that we talked about. <laughs> honestly, probably the the very the very rare in yeah. the deep person that might also be viable in like a you know a twelve teamer like immediately. I mean, I've been banging that drum since the beginning of since spring training. I've been oh, banging I that know. drum. I'm pretty sure I've talked. I talked about him in a preseason episode. Yeah, you you did. You've been like on. You've been on the Ashby wagon. I think Hang that on. was. I think what I said is. I think that I, I. I my one of my bold predictions was that Ashby would be SP four for the Brewers by the end of the year. Which, with the way that Brett Anderson is pitching and the way that Ashby has been pitching, it's not completely insane at this point. Look, we we are very well organized, uh, which might surprise you, uh, listeners. But I, I can I can directly pull this quote from our notes from March twentieth. March twentieth. Oh, baby, let's go. Aaron Ashby. He's impressed in Brewers camp and hasn't been reassigned to minor league camp yet, though he'll inevitably start the season at Double A. But with Brett Anderson and Adrian Hauser as Starting pitchers four and five, I think it's only a matter of time before he makes his debut in 2021. March 20th, folks. I just look so smart. This man is good. Oh my goodness. I love that so much. It makes me so happy. Okay, enough like tooting my own horn. That's fine. Uh let's move on to <laughs> let's move on to closer stuff real quick here. The absolute mess that is relievers. Uh oh Schwebzi, if you want to take this one away, this is all you, man. I mean, I'm gonna let you I'm gonna let you handle this. Do I want to? Not really. Not a Will lot I? enough. Yeah. Sure. So uh, I, we, we did a fun thing during the stream where uh, I, I listed out my preference of these uh, low rostered closers. And then I asked Jordan to do the same thing. And our order was completely different. Like not yeah, even totally close. Different. So uh, the, the, the guys that come to mind, like the, the guys that I like the most in this 20% and under range are uh, the Dylan Floro, Anthony Bender combo. Floro's closer to 20%. Anthony Bender is down at 8%. Then there's Michael Gibbons, Joe Barlow, David Bednar, Rowan Wick, and Michael Fulmer. So I think the most interesting of the bunch is Joe Barlow. And he's mm-hmm. the most interesting because he has the, the shortest body of work, only having, I think it's 13 major league innings pitched so far. He's uh, he's on the Texas Rangers. Uh, they had tried out Sean Patton as their closer, and he I think he blew like three opportunities in a row. So he's he's out. Uh, Joe Barlow has now gotten the next two opportunities. And it, first of all, it's a wild that Texas has given their new closer candidates like five save opportunities in the last couple of weeks. Like, what what are are they good all of a sudden? I don't know. Whatever. The fact that they had that many leads to protect. David Bednar, who is actually kind of good, has gotten zero saves so far, like as their closer <laughs> since they traded Richard Rodriguez. But I digress. Uh, Barlow has been awesome in those innings that he's thrown, which I, again, I believe was 13. I, don't, I, I should have written that down, but uh, you know, I'm really good at this, clearly. Uh, he's, he's only given up four hits. It's like, it's like four hits, six walks, and then 18 strikeouts in those innings. Which are, uh, you know, obviously all very good ratios. It's not like a Karinchak strikeout rate, or at least a pre sticky stuff Karinchak, but it's still, you know, it's real good. So 
he's the most intriguing of the bunch because again he's he's 25 he's young this is his first shot at the majors and in some of his first appearances ever he's locking down major league games and there is a little bit of something to that closer mentality thing and maybe he's got it not something i can quantify but so far so good the other guys uh we mentioned uh givens who was uh, acquired by the reds from uh Colorado. Thank you, Cincinnati, for freeing him. But also, uh, the Great American Ballpark is also a great hitter's park. So it's kind of like out of the fire into the frying pan. So it's better, but it still kind of sucks. Givens has gotten the last couple of saves after Heath Hembree completely immolated. Uh, There's still... That's an SAT word right there. That was a really good word. It means he was real bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, Michael Lorenzen is also healthy. But uh, I, I think Givens has the leg up, given that he's actually getting the opportunities. And I, I think they like Lorenzen to be more flexible and be able to pitch like multiple innings and whatnot. Uh, we've got hey. Rowan Wick here. Real quick, Shrubsy, can I ask you something? Sure. Would you say that uh, Michael getting the save opportunities is uh, probably a given at this point? <laughs> That's literally the opposite of what I'm saying, Jordan. I'm sorry. Stop letting your wordplay under- undermine my point. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's reaching no. that point in the episode where we're very tired and I'm just like derailing it even more. I apologize. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, uh, 3 a.m. Eastern. No, this is, this is, this is oh like light God. work for us. We've only, we've only been going for five hours. That's that's an easy stream for us. Oh, well, that's an easy but day. It's because we started really late because I got home late from Boston. I digress again. <laughs> I like Givens. I and I of all of these uh, potential closers, uh, Cincinnati is the best team there. So true. I, I mean, you know, being a good team doesn't necessarily mean more save opportunities, but you have to win to get a save. So you know. I, I, I would bet on, uh, of all of these teams, Cincinnati winning the most games. Then we've got Rowan Wick, uh, who has held down the closer job before and uh, appears to have it again now that uh, Chicago has traded away the entirety of their bullpen for uh, hopefully players that will help them in the future. Uh, we've got Michael Fulmer, who got a save the other day, but also Gregory Soto got the next save. So that appears to be a straight up committee. David Bednar, I mentioned. I'm pretty sure he has the role to himself, but it's the Pittsburgh Pirates. So I, will they get a save opportunity over the course of the next week? I don't know. Few and far between. Yeah. So uh, I, I think it's, a lot of this is a crapshoot. But if I were to personally rank these guys, just, just based on skill, uh, I would do Bender, Fulmer, Wick, Givens, Bednar and then I kind of put Barlow off to the side because I think he's a complete crapshoot like he's got he's a reliever with 13 career innings anything could happen he could be the best guy on the list he could be the worst love what I've seen so far but he's also only given up four hits in 13 innings which is really that's not sustainable Uh, so he's gotten a bit lucky along with uh, being good so far who knows Uh, and I would also I would stick Floro at the end of the list Uh, talent wise I like him the least but he might have the best opportunity so uh, for save potential for me it would be Wick Barlow Bender Fulmer Givens Bednar actually uh, uh, Bender and Floro would be kind of neck and neck there it's just a matter of uh, you know who's getting the saves in that committee Uh, I, I because I think Wick and Barlow are the guys with soul jobs. And then uh, everyone after that is a committee. So I just kind of ordered them with uh, who I think is most likely to get the bulk of the saves. Actually, you know what? I'm stupid. I, I would uh, let, let me, let me redo that wick Barlow Givens, and then the Bender Floro committee and then Fulmer and Bednar. I think okay because I think I was gonna I think, say because I was like that was that was one of my big qualms is I thought that Given should be farther up the list than you yeah, had him. You're right. I Bednar should probably be further up the list too. I just have no faith in the Pittsburgh to get him save opportunities. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, ugh. but again, like <sighs> I'm wrong. 
I'm going to be. I'm. I'm wrong. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Is like, I mean, no one is going to be able to accurately yeah, predict right. or like. I mean, well, I mean, there's a there's a lot of luck involved here. There's a lot of chance involved with all of this. Like again, we don't know who's going to get the opportunities over the next week, or if there even will be opportunities to be had. But they still have to pitch them every so often to make sure that they're not getting just on just going completely unused. Obviously, but I don't right. know. Like I, I remember earlier in the season needing saves and being like, yep. oh my God, there's no one out there. And now it's like, there's too many options and none of them are right. Great. Cool. There's too many um, options and none of them are really that good. Right. Yeah. One of some of them are going to be right. Like if you're in a keeper league, you should probably like snatch up Barlow. Cause there's a potential that you've got a closer there for now and the future. True. Uh, and te- like Texas is clearly throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. And right now they've got a talented 25, 26 year old closing. And uh, mm-hmm. that could be a great future piece. Uh, but yeah, if, if anyone tells you that they actually know how all of these situations are going to shake out is either lying to you or from the future. And uh, if they're from the future, please tell me, like have them tell me like what else is going to happen with the Mets because my heart can't handle it anymore. <laughs> I can't take it. It hurts. I hate it here. I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> I'm personally having a wonderful time. Uh, partially because... <laughs> par- <laughs> yeah, partially because... Yeah. Okay, you just sounded like Beaker from... <laughs> from uh, the Muppets. I couldn't remember what the Muppets were for a second. That was pretty rough. Uh, <laughs> that would make me really sad if I couldn't remember that. Anyways, uh, but no, the person that's making me no, pretty it's, happy it's is Rolf. Fan. The dog is Rolf, not rough. What? You said that was rough. It was Rolf was the oh dog. God. P- played the piano. This is this is pain. <laughs> um <laughs> All right. Uh but no, the person that's making my life as a Brewers fan a little bit easier also this year is someone that I think I feel like he's kind of an un- unsung hero. And a lot of people don't really give him a whole lot of credit, but he just always seems to be like doing a really really good job vulturing wins. He's a good clubhouse guy and that's Brent Suter. Uh the dude is tied for third in the league with wins with 12 right now. That's absurd to me for a guy who is just like a multi-inning reliever in most cases. Uh, but he's just continually been like a really, really steady arm for that Brewers bullpen. And while Josh Hader is back now and healthy again after being on the COVID IL, he, in like in his last outing, he struck out the side uh, his first time back. Suter, in his absence, did manage to nab himself the first save of the year. So it just kind of further reinforces that Craig Council is willing to shove Brent Suter into just whatever high leverage, like very high pressure role that he needs him. He's just kind of like a multi-tool that can kind of fit anywhere, which is fantastic, which is like also why, because he is pitching high leverage innings, he's going to pitch in close games and he's going to be able to vulture even more wins as the season winds down here. Um Suter, while he's not like a crazy big strikeout guy by any means, he works really quick and he's really, really good at suppressing hard contact. He's like 92nd percentile in the league in barrel rate and then 98th percentile in average exit velocity. And if you go back all the way to the beginning of 2019, he's got a 2.53 ERA during that time. Uh, He's just like a really unsung hero of that Brewers bullpen. And he's probably the best bullpen arm that the Brewers have aside from Josh Hader. Uh, so, like, overall, if you're just looking for someone that you can pretty much just put in a relief pitcher spot and just, like, set and forget and then hopefully just nab a few wins here and there, Suter's the guy to get. And he's only 12% rostered in ESPN and Yahoo leagues. So definitely recommending Suter. No, that that's great. Like, if if you, if you're looking for a, a, a Suter to, uh, you know, fill a spot in your bullpen, that's, you know, that's a good one. Uh... <laughs> I literally saw you smiling and laughing to yourself as I was talking because I knew you had thought of a joke to say. Oh, I, 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 was, I was watching you're just like <laughs> <laughs> giggling just gig- to myself, giggling like a, to himself, like, like a I'm little so schoolgirl. I'm so funny. Like, like I'm about to ask my my parent what, or like a dozen times in a row. What does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? No. Um, Why? 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 Yeah. Why? No, but I uh, really wins are stupid unless they're proving how cool Brent Suter is. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like wins are a very outdated. I mean, I, I am very much on the boat of I think that we should go just 
completely do away with wins as a fantasy baseball stat. Like it just seems very, very silly to me because it's such an arbitrary, weird thing. Because like if you're a starter, you have to go five innings to get it. But then like literally anyone could come in after you and pitch like a single out and get a win. Um, just weird to me. I don't know. But yeah. Well, let's uh, let's let's wrap this up with uh, my favorite thing, which is more self-flagellation. Uh, well, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> continuing once again, my being wrong in a previous episode, really like it just so had like this, everything came together this week where like everyone I wanted to talk about was like, like just completely refuting something I've previously said, whatever. All right. So Kyle Freeland, when Kyle Freeland first came off the injured list this year, uh, he had a two start week right away and it was against two abysmal offenses. And I was like, yeah, start Kyle Freeland. Like, I, I know he's just came off the IL, but like the, the matchups are so good. You can't not start him. Yeah. You should have not started him because uh, he was very bad against those really bad offenses. And also in that same episode, I said, if Kyle Freeland fails against these two offenses, I am going to ignore him for the rest of the year. So, of course, he failed against those two offenses and has been really good ever since because like... <laughs> Because Howard's, I could not have been more wrong about. Kyle I love how Freeland. you're like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ignore him for the rest of the year, and yet here we are. Yeah, here we are. Uh, because I'm, I'm, I'm not afraid to admit when I'm wrong, and I was very, very wrong here. So uh, he's coming off of a stretch right now, where he's given up two runs or fewer in the last four, in four of his last five starts, including games of only one run allowed against all of San Francisco. San Diego and Los Angeles, the Dodgers, you know, you, you, who you might recognize as maybe the three best teams in baseball. Also worth noting, those are all away games, like at their yes. respective stadiums. Too. Yes. Important. Definitely worth mentioning because it is a Colorado Rocky we are talking about. Yes. Uh, he's got upcoming games against Arizona, which is at home and home is bad for Colorado Rockies, but it's Arizona. So I'm hoping that uh, Freeland can defeat Coors against a bad lineup. And then uh, a second start at, uh, at uh, sorry, a second start away against the Cubs. Now, look, if Kyle Freeland's next two starts are just complete abominations, which is <laughs> incredibly possible, then you can just assume that I'm cursed and not listen to a thing I say for the rest of the year. Please don't do that. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I like him as a streamer for the next couple of starts. He's rostered in only 14% of leagues, should be very available. And if you are very distrustful of cores, which you have every right to be because it's cores and cores is undefeated, then just ignore that Arizona start and pick him up for that Cubs start later in the week. Um, we had a, we had a couple more pitchers lined up, but, uh, we were at an hour. I, th I think it's safe to ignore, uh, like we, we were going to talk about Griffin Jacks and Bailey Ober, but what, like we, we were basically yeah. going to say that we looked into both of them and wound up not really liking them in spite of the good results lately. So, I mean, we, we don't need to dig into that. Like I, they might both be startable against like the Royals or something, but um, we we weren't super impressed. Yeah, again, they're I, just to kind of reiterate what Schwebsy said. Neither one of them impresses very much. They're pretty much just streamable against like poor offenses, uh, like many pitchers are uh, in certain cases. Uh, Jacks had 10k game in his last or a 10 strikeout game in his last start, but then his previous two starts combined, he had two strikeouts in those two. It was kind of a fluke. It felt like the slider isn't that good. And he's really dependent on pretty much like being able to like locate his fastball. Same story with Ober is that he's super reliant on fastball location. And while his upside, and it's not just, I'm not saying just upside because he's taller than Griffin Jacks. He's 6'10". Um, there's just not a whole lot there to be like really, really excited about. So I think it's probably fine to kind of glaze over them. Would you say that he towers over Jax? Yes, 100%. <laughs> Wait, was there another joke in there that I didn't even realize? The that, towers over. Oh, towers over. <laughs> oh, my. 
it sounded like you put the emphasis on Jack. So I was trying to figure out what the joke was. And I was like, am I just an idiot? And then I was like, oh yeah, well, he I powers mean, over. Oh maybe, God. maybe like, maybe okay. like a, maybe like a jumping jacks would be higher than, than Ober. Would you say that it's <laughs> Bailey taller? <laughs> oh, we need to stop. It's too okay. late for this. <laughs> uh, at that point, we're going to wrap it up with on that absolutely abysmal joke. Uh, thank you once again for joining us on another episode of In the Deep. We appreciate it. Uh, because I didn't say it at the top of the show, if you want to follow us on Twitter, we have a shared Twitter account that's in the deep PL. We also have our individual Twitter accounts for Schwebzy. It's his name, Schwebzy. That's S-H-W-E-B-S-I. And then myself at Bunt Singles. Uh, you can also send us uh, mailbag questions, fan mail, hate mail, whatever you really feel like sending us. Again, address all the hate mail to Schwebzy because I'm soft. Uh, that's in the deep PL at gmail.com. Also, if you like the pod, be sure to like and subscribe and leave a review on either Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And with that, we'll see you next week. Schwebzy, send them out. Bye, friends. Bye.